<laughs> Welcome to the Adventuring Hour. I'm Jason. I'm John. We just recorded half of this episode without actually recording it, so now we have to do it all over again, and I feel really bad. So, Jason... So, hey, welcome to the show. <laughs> so, Jason, we have this thing that we've been doing on this show for, like... I know it's only been around for, like, 13 months, but we have this thing where we often say, these issues we know are bad, but there's better issues coming. Right, and we usually say that at the end of an episode. But we said that at the end of the last episode, and I would just like to say that I think these issues actually are much better. Like, right. for once... Because we usually say it before we actually know, and now that we've read it, we can say it. Oh, we usually say, oh, we well, know there's better issues coming. They, they have to be better. And then we read them, and they're horrible. <laughs> but I really... I'm, I think we're getting into a good... I think we're going to get... I think the next... I think the worst is behind us. Well, yeah. There'll could. still be a little worst here and there, but as a general rule, no more worst. No more worst. Should we remind people of what was worst? Yes, I guess. Previously on the Avenging Hour, we finally reached the end of the Celestial Madonna saga, the end of the unlimited recaps and retcons and origin stories. We married Vision to Scarlet Witch and Mantis to a tree. We saw most of the team disappear, leaving us with Thor, Iron Man, and Hawkeye, and despite all of this, we were still quite unhappy. Uh, to be clear, I was very happy it was over. Just not happy that it ended in that ridiculously muddled giant size. And now, episode 60. 60. Episode 60. Two issues today. First on the docket is issue 137 from July of 1975. This one is written saga-like by Steve Englehart, I guess. With art by George Tuska. And it is called, We Do Seek Out New Avengers! Double exclamation point. Double exclamation point? I didn't notice that. It's really good. It's going to be really good. Our cold open this week starts with a man coming home, complaining about work, (laughs) and slumping into an armchair with a cold drink to watch some TV. Or what I like to call, every day. (laughs) I think everyone's a little shocked when the TV screen springs to life with the mighty mug of Thor coming into quick focus and screaming for some new recruits to the Avengers. Let's back up a bit. As we've detailed, the team is down to a measly handful of heroes, and I'm fairly certain they don't want to ask Agatha Harkness or Jarvis to don a costume. <laughs> As, <laughs> they really should. As the team returns to Avengers Mansion, Thor points out that that weird star is still floating overhead, though now it appears to have been drawn by a third grader. Thanks, Mr. Tuska. Apparently, that will be handled in a Captain Marvel issue sometime soon. But it doesn't matter, because everyone needs to quiet down, while Agatha Harkness makes no sense for two pages, and then goes off to take a nap. Uh, I love that star. Without any further ado, the membership drive begins. For some reason, Hawkeye complains, not remembering that Thor and Iron Man are only there on a part-time status, leaving him as the only full member of the team. Iron Man immediately nominates Moondragon, who followed them back from Vietnam. She accepts, making sure to point out to everyone that she isn't nearly as annoying as Mantis. Next... Thor suggests they invite back everyone who has left. Black Panther offers a text-crammed reply that sounds like the poorly translated lyrics to a foreign national anthem. Thor takes that as a nay. Quicksilver scoffs at everything. With two negatives, Thor and Iron Man start to worry. Yet three panels after complaining about teammates, Hawkeye is suddenly team cheerleader. He insists they call Cap, who immediately says no thanks. Black Widow can't be pried from the arms of Daredevil. Hercules also declines, though I'm not even sure how they got a view screen up in Mount Olympus. Finally, it's the Wasp's turn to turn them down. But she miraculously says yes. The power of the team has suddenly been increased tenfold. (laughs) As long as they don't have to face off against any birds or doors (laughs) or tree limbs or strong winds or coffee pots. (laughs) To celebrate this team building success, we're treated to a few panels of Vision wearing a Speedo. (laughs) We also learn that the lovebirds are honeymooning in the same place where the natives tried to feed Wanda to a volcano. So hey, extra towels for everyone. Back at the mansion, the guys don't seem too pleased that nearly everyone turned them down. 
Hawkeye says being on the Avengers isn't cool anymore. That the Swing and Hepcats think it's Squaresville, man. Before he can expound on his premise further, Wasp swoops in to interrupt. She informs us that she snuck in through the keyholes, but I think she probably just mispronounced giant hole in the wall. <laughs> and who's this with her? Oh, it's Yellow Jacket. Wonderful. <laughs> for old time's sake, Clinton Hank get in a fight for no reason. Then Yellow Jacket suggests putting out the word that the team is looking for new members. Hawkeye doesn't take kindly to the word new and decides to stomp off to the ubiquitous time machine and track down Black Knight instead. The rest of the team heads to a closed-down Yankee Stadium for some impromptu auditions. The first person to show up is... Edward G. Robinson? <laughs> oh, wait. It's only Beast in one of his totally lifelike disguises. As Beast tries to offer a quick origin story, he's interrupted by a booming voice explaining that the team is now surrounded by hover mines and something-something-six-minutes-something-something disarmament lever. Ugh. Thor and Beast both recognize the voice of the stranger. In a boring and wholly predictable fight, most of the old guard is taken out by the mines while Moondragon and Beast work together to end the threat. But what's this? Jan is near death again? Let me try to choke back the tears as we reach the end. Our roll call this issue is Thor, Iron Man, Hawkeye, Moondragon, Wasp, Yellowjacket, and maybe Beast. We see Jarvis and Agatha Harkness, Vision and Scarlet Witch, Black Panther, Quicksilver, Captain America, Black Widow, and Hercules. Our villain this issue is The Stranger, for reasons yet unknown and undesirable. The Stranger first appeared in X-Men number 11 in May 1965 and was created by... Stan Lee and Steve Ditko, according to Wikipedia. <laughs> according to everything I'm seeing, Jack Kirby drew that issue, not yeah. Steve Ditko. That makes more sense. He's yeah. another of the elders of the universe, a cosmic being like Grandmaster, and our favorite haunted Halloween decoration, the Collector. I don't really want to say too much more about him because not he, all is what it seems to he be. He doesn't even look like a Steve Ditko creation because he's got that hair and the face. It looks very Jack Kirby. And some size. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it looks very Jack Kirby. I mean, I, I know it's. I mean, it's really hard to believe that Wikipedia could be wrong about something. I don't. I'm done. That someone wouldn't have corrected it and made fun of the person that originally cited right? it. Right? Hey, that guy at the beginning of the issue that you said was drinking a mug of Thor. What? Was that the drink he had? A mug of Thor? No, I didn't say that. Did you say a mug of Thor? I said we're treated to the mighty mug of Thor on the TV. Oh, I thought he was drinking a mug of Thor. No, he's drinking a, a martini, isn't he? Dry. Probably prepared by his wife, who was standing in the kitchen when he arrived, like she should be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. Um, she is. She's wearing blue jeans, though, so she's somewhat emancipated, I guess. Yeah, right. She should wear the pearls. We can't tell if she has shoes on, though. She might be barefoot <laughs> in the kitchen. She certainly does not look pregnant. She has a waist uh, that is ridiculously small. He's watching Hogan's Heroes on the TNV. The Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> the TNV? TNV. Right? That's what that's called, isn't it? It's really bad when we have to reread all of our jokes the second time, isn't it? <laughs> I'm trying to make up new ones on the fly, and they are not working. Hogan's Heroes came on the air in 1965 and was canceled in 1971, which is obviously before this issue, but it was in syndication, so. That was quick. They must have got their. Uh... Their hundred uh, episodes in. Well, there wasn't as many things to put in syndication back then. That's true. Right. So many four channels, right? Right. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wanted to see some of that stuff more than once. Um, well, you talked about the star. I have to say, <laughs> George Tuscas. It doesn't look like you tried. It looks like you did one of those where you you do the five lines, like one continuous line, and then you just went back and erased the parts in between to make it look like a star. Gosh, it's horrible. In the in the footnote, it says that it will be, as you mentioned, it will be finished off in Captain Marvel in the Trial of the Watcher. So I went and I tried... Those issues are not on Marvel Unlimited, so I couldn't read them there. And I tried everywhere online... Did you try Wikipedia? They probably would have liked you. <laughs> I actually did try Wikipedia. They don't even mention the Trial of the Watcher in Captain Marvel's history. So is the Trial of the Watcher an actual story? Yeah, it is an actual story. What happens is Uatu, 
the Watcher, mm-hmm. um, is put on trial by the other Watchers because they're like, dude, what part of non-interference are you not getting? Yeah. Um, and that's the trial of the Watcher. But it wasn't in Captain Marvel. It was in Captain Marvel, but I can't tell what this stupid star oh, oh, has to oh, do oh, with right, it. right, right, right. Um, it I makes no sense what the star has to do with it, so. So as far as we know, that star is still there. Like, like the ugliest know. Christmas decoration ever. <laughs> but while we're picking on George Tuska, <laughs> I have to give George Tuska credit because his Agatha Harkness <laughs> looks so much better and less like some sort of acid uh, victim. She doesn't look like a major tote from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark anymore. <laughs> no, she <laughs> looks with her face falling off. She looks like a stately older woman. She looks like she's had lost like 20 years. She really does. She doesn't look like the collector in drag anymore. And I kind of like her in this issue because Jarvis is when they, when the Avengers come back. Jarvis says, "You have Miss Harkness," and she's like, "These men do not have Agatha Harkness. I walk as ever alone." Why is she still there? I know, right? She's is she like a squatter now? They can't get rid of her. <laughs> well, <laughs> they have to put a thirty day eviction notice on her bedroom door or something. Well, here's what I don't understand: she's in the Quinjet with them coming back. I'm almost positive in Giant Size number four, she was not in Vietnam. She told Wanda and Vision, I can't help you anymore, Wanda. You're on your own. I'm going upstairs to take a nap. Right. And Wanda and Vision, I thought, were... I didn't even think about that. ...on their own. So, I don't even know why she's with them. Maybe she went on their honeymoon with them and they and the Avengers stopped and picked her up on the way home. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And how did Wanda and Vision... Now I'm really confused. Because how did Wanda and Vision get to their honeymoon? Because the Avengers are coming back with two two ships in this issue. Oh, yeah, they are. Well, maybe... Some, they must have had... They had to have dropped them off, right? I guess so. But then they then they leave their honeymoon in a Quinjet next issue or the issue after. So, Iron Man references the song Johnny Be Good. He calls Hawkeye Johnny Be Good. I don't know why. That is a Chuck Berry song from 1958. And if Tony Stark is actually referencing that, he is showing his age. <laughs> Um, but uh, it had been covered since 1958, so maybe he's talking about one of the newer versions. Um, I like Moon Dragons, you mentioned it, but I like her snide comment when they invite her to join the team and she says, well, I'm not Mantis, I say I, not this one, and thank you for that, Moon Dragon. <laughs> yes, one less word, at least, in the book. Uh, speaking of too many words in the book, you also <laughs> mentioned it, but the Black Panther, I have no idea what he is talking about. He is speaking in ways he has never spoken before. I, I took a picture of that uh, for the Instagram so people can read that at their at their leisure. Yeah, I was, you're going to need some time. Yeah, you can't read it out. It's much too long. And I love the fact that, that Thor narrows it down to, nay. He's like, ah, oh, you could have just said no. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is though, a very, a very um, well-worn cliche um, on the part of the Avengers during membership reshuffles where they go and look for previous members, ask previous members, do you want to join? Yeah, and part of it I think is to show the the history of all the cool people who used to be on the team. But at the same time, I think maybe... I don't know. They always seem when they do one of these membership drives, they always bring back somebody yes. that had been there before mm-hmm. to maybe, like, I don't know, tie the different eras together. Possibly. And sadly, we get Wasp and Yellow Jacket. <laughs> Wasp and Yellow Jacket are always available to come back, aren't they? Yeah, they sometimes they don't want to, but they're pretty much always available. It's not like they're like, well, I'm busy with my own comic. Captain America, uh, we should point out, is back to being Captain America. The last time we saw him, he was Nomad. He's now Captain America. And they invited him to come back as Nomad, and obviously he did not. But one of these issues coming up, he makes a reference to Nomad, so maybe we'll get to see why that ended. I don't know. Vision in a Speedo. Vision in a Speedo. I took a picture of that, too. As you should. Everyone (laughs) needs to see that. I I was saying Wasp and Yellowjacket can't say they've got their own book, but they actually were in Marvel Premiere or Marvel 
Marvel whatever. They Marvel were, feature? Marvel feature, one of those kind of magazines. And in their adventures in this magazine, they got infected with some kind of a of a virus, and we'll be talking about this more over the, the next couple of episodes. Uh, and the, the result of it right now, the important thing is to know that Yellow Jacket can't change his size. He's stuck. Which means, his, which means he also can't fly. Which means he can't fly. Which means what he is, is a guy carrying around some, a cellular disruptor gun, which halts all functions in living tissue when he proceeds to shoot at Hawkeye. Just because. Just because. That seems like an overreaction. <laughs> and then in the background, Hawkeye's like hunched over with smoke coming off of him, trying to shake it off. Though to be fair, it looks and like... Doesn't he say like, eh, he'll be fine. Yeah, he's like, whatever. <laughs> um, His arm will fall off and go back, right? It's funny because, though, I do realize that Hawkeye did shoot what looks like an explosive arrow at Yellow Jacket in the panel before. Well, to be fair, he shot it above his head. Well, that is true. He didn't hit, he didn't hit him with it. We do know he is a marksman. He could have shot him in the face with it. <laughs> and maybe next time he will. <laughs> if Hawkeye's learned anything. But yeah, so I, I you know, I, I, this was a common complaint of mine when, when Hank and Jam were in the team before, which is Hank Pym has one power. He shrinks and grows. That's Well, he's more than that, but that's his main power. And yet this book, or Marvel editorial in general, seems determined not to let him shrink and grow. I'm so sorry, I just saw Hawkeye's expression in that panel, and I do not know what's going on. Hawkeye has this expression in this panel. Well, that's when Wasp up and he doesn't see her. He's like, what? Yeah, let him grow, let him grow and shrink. That's his power. Um, I think his power is just to be angry now. No, well, that's quite possible. The funny thing is that they didn't even invite him back. No, they, they contacted Wasp, and Wasp was like... Yeah. And then he's like, well, what about your husband? She's like, oh, I don't care. <laughs> and then when they both jumped, she's like, yeah, he decided to tag along, too. Well, it's funny because he's like, well, Jan was coming, so I came, but I don't want to be here. <laughs> well, then stay home, Pim. Nobody wants you anyway. So there's a panel on the next page. Oh, God. I took a picture of that one, too. It doesn't make any sense. It feels like it's a Marvel Method thing. You know, where somebody forgot to tell the artist what was going to happen in that page. Yeah, it's like George Tuska got the script. And he first got a rough outline and, and stuck this in here. And, and Steve Elgar was like, George, what the crap are you putting in the book? What does this mean? So there's this panel, a wide panel at the top of, of page, what is that, 16? Not that it yes. matters. And it's just like three cars on the Long Island Expressway going, going down the highway with like some buildings in the background and the river, I guess. And it's right in the middle of this discussion at Avengers Mansion. The last panel on the page before is the Avengers hanging out in the, man, the mansion talking. The next panel right after this one is the Avengers hanging out in the mansion talking. And in between, we see cars drive in and three big caption boxes with... Yeah, with dialogue in them. Telling us what's going on that we can't see because yeah. we've cut away from it for some reason. It's like they're getting ready to go to commercial. <laughs> it's like the stock footage of the comic book world. It makes no sense. <laughs> Do we have any B-roll of cars that we can stick in here? <laughs> We're running short. Um, so, Beast joins... Well, again, Beast and Moondragon uh, don't really join the team this issue. Which makes no sense because they actually they actually invited Moondragon and she said yes. Yeah. And then they're like, well, you know, provisionally, you know, we're not sure if we really want you, Baldy. And then, <laughs> then they hold these tryouts and Beast shows up and wants to be on the team and they never actually say anything to him. And then he just starts following them around. Yeah, right? He's, he's going to join by osmosis. <laughs> he's like the, the kid brother of the, uh, of the Avengers. He's the new Rick Jones. <laughs> um, but yeah, in any case, it's funny you say that. Know, it's got to right? be coming back up. In a couple of episodes. it's But it's cool because... So the X-Men have always kind of been in their own little corner of the Marvel Universe. They don't interact with the... With the you know, the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, they're constantly interacting with each other. But the X-Men really kind of don't. 
Because no one likes mutants. <laughs> right, it's the whole racism thing. So for Beast to join the Avengers, for him, to, he's the first X-Men. He's like the Jackie Robinson of mutants. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He should be disguised as him, not Edward G. Robinson. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Um, he is the first one of the original X-Men to get out and do something on his own. And actually, of the original X-Men, he's the only one that will do something important on his own for, like... He's probably done the most. I mean, he had his own solo series in Amazing Adventures, so... You're forgetting the Iceman uh, four-issue limited series in the early 80s, I think, where he goes to be an accountant? Yeah, sure. Because nothing says high adventure like accounting. And Beast had his own six-issue miniseries with Dazzler. I think it was was it six. I think it was only four. I believe it was six. I think it was four. Was Kitty Pride Wolverine six? One of them was six. I think Kitty Pride Wolverine mm-hmm. was six. These are the important things we should be arguing about. But at the same time, he, he he'll be on the Defenders longer than Angel and Iceman. That's true. One well, the Defenders, <laughs> but he won't be on the Champion. So who's really the winner oh, here? Man, that was only sixteen issues though. So I'm not sure it all balances out. Point being, the Beast. <laughs> you know, the Beast is in some circles. I think by some people, by me, perhaps because I'm more of an Avengers fan than an X Men fan. I've always considered him more of an Avengers. That, an Avenger than an X-Man. He's much more interesting in the Avengers. Oh. Much, much more personality. So much so. Um, in I, the X-Men, he tends to get he tends to get relegated to ser- relatively serious science guy. Yeah. Whereas on the Avengers, he gets to be an adventurer. And, um, and a pop culture guy. He makes, what, three pop culture references in, in yeah. one little caption box there. Yeah, he makes a lot. We're not going to be going over all the Beast pop culture references or we'll be here all day. He kind of takes the place of Hawkeye, I think. Another reason for Hawkeye to be sad. And even (laughs) Hawkeye didn't make that many pops. He would make three an issue, not three a page. (laughs) And that's it. uh, Stan Soapbox? Stan Soapbox mentions that they're starting a new line of 50-cent magazines, um, similar to the old Classics Illustrated line, where they took uh, stories like Tom Sawyer and... (laughs) Which one did you want? Les Mis? Les Mis. And compressed them down in, like, comic book form. So, you know, dumb kids could look at pictures and learn stuff, rather than having to read books. Before there were Cliff Notes, there was Classics (laughs) Illustrated, (laughs) right? Uh, let's see. He plugged some lecture he did at Penn State, and, uh, oh, jeez. <laughs> He's talking about the sequel to that stupid Origins of Marvel Comics book, This Is Never Gonna End. I think at one point, one of these stand boxes, he makes mention that they want to do, like, three, four, five, they want to do, like, one of these a year. Yeah. And make, like, happen. a whole, you can have a whole bookshelf of just Origins of Marvel Comics books, my God. Anything in the bullpen bulletins? Uh, no, I don't have anything. I noticed that they, they mentioned George Powell, who was a producer, a well-known producer, apparently, uh, of of the movies. He, he did um, movies? He did movies. He stopped by to talk about Doc Savage, because at this point in time, Marvel had the rights to Doc Savage, and they like to name drop whenever anyone from Hollywood comes by their oh, offices. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doc Savage is a pulp char- character from, I think, the 20s. Uh, basically, uh, uh, a normal man who was, like, the peak of human everything. He was dipped in bronze. Oh, no, he was just called the Man of Bronze, wasn't he? Yeah, because he had a really good tan. He did. But he was making a Doc Savage movie, which I didn't think ever came out, but apparently it did come out in 1975, and... It was not very good. No, it did not do well either. They're supposed to be doing a new one. I think they just announced it a couple months ago. Really? Who would play Doc Savage? The Rock. Really? I like yeah, Dwayne Johnson. I, guess, uh, I think DC, yeah, DC has the Doc Savage license. They've had it for a while. They did much more with it than Marvel ever did. Yeah. MVP? No, oh, they're not going to talk about the letters page? There's no letters page. No, but there is a full page ad for the 1975 Marvel calendar and the Origins of Marvel Comics book. Origins of Marvel Comics? Really? What is that? I don't know. We should talk about it sometime. Who's your MVP? Beast! Yay, me too. You know, Beast comes off really well on this issue. It's a shame, though, because this issue is such a great introduction to him. It puts him in such a good light. If we hadn't had that stupid reprint last issue, which made him look like such a spaz. That's completely opposite of what he is in this issue. Um, They've clearly set this issue up, and I guess next issue, as let's focus on the Beast and show you how awesome he is. Well, which he is. Yeah, true. I like the Beast. I'm a Beast fan. Who's your useless character? 
Um, of course, the Wasp. I mean, it's good to have her back so she can fulfill this role again. She gets she gets mortally injured uh, in her first time at bat and does nothing. You? I picked Hawkeye because he's a little manic depressive in this issue. <laughs> he's mad and then he's happy and then he's mad and stomps off and clearly he needs some medication. He Well, I, I can't argue with that. <laughs> uh, Avengers level threat? I don't think it's a threat. The Stranger, a cosmic level entity, is not a threat. He didn't even do anything to them. He's mines. He almost, There's mines. He almost killed the wasp. Yeah, the only yeah, other so person. The tree branch. <laughs> the only other foe that's almost been able to kill the wasp was a stray bullet from one of Count of Fairy's henchmen. <laughs> Off panel. Final grade. That's allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> it was probably a tree branch that shot her. <laughs> starting their or a sparrow. Starting their long rivalry. Oh, what's your final grade? A minus. I like it. I really do. And, and you can say that this is because I am still in uh, the last few issues hurt me in my very soul. <laughs> and you can say that that's why. So now you're overcompensating. But I honestly, I liked this issue. I thought there was great character interaction. I liked the new blood. I was down with this. I think an A minus is a little high. I gave it a B, mostly for the same reasons. New members always makes me feel good. What's members like, make me feel good? It's always <laughs> nice to get a little bit of extra, um, a, a little bit of new blood in, in the book, especially when you have had the same team for so long. Sure, sure. All right. Shall we move on? Wow, it feels like a brand new, a whole new world here. <laughs> now that we got that out of the way, again. Um, all righty. Is it recording this time? <laughs> yeah, we're good. Because I'm not doing it a third time. Uh, Avengers number 138 is from August of 1975. It is by Steve Englehart and George Tusca again, and it is called Stranger and a Strange Man. Oh, God. You see what they did there? <laughs> yeah, I know what that one is. I can't believe George Tusca is sticking around for a second issue. I think this might be a new permanent team. Oh, I'm sure they'll probably, he'll probably be on here for the foreseeable future. The Wasp is back on the team, and true to form, she's proven herself to be the weakest link. She's been badly hurt by the Stranger, and she may not survive the night. That sounds like a country song. <laughs> <laughs> Yellow Jacket is going crazy slower than he normally does when Jan's been hurt, but they have been married for years by this time, so I'm not surprised. He's probably enjoying the peace and quiet. Anywho, while Pym may be slightly in control, he's determined to save his wife, and that means the team has to find the stranger himself. Time to round up the team and head out to... Wait a minute, where's Hawkeye? Let's see, where could he... Boom! The entire team gets hit with a mind blast, apparently beamed at them by the stranger from another part of the galaxy. And what he wants is the Scarlet Witch. Of course, the team doesn't know where Wanda is. She's on her honeymoon, and no one bothered to ask where she and the Vision were going. Tight-knit group, these Avengers. But now the team knows what, or more precisely who, the Stranger wants, and Yellow Jacket plans to use that knowledge to find and capture the Stranger. Dream big, little yellow man. <laughs> Thor divides the team. Iron Man and most of the team will stay in the mansion to try and trace the power of the Stranger, while Thor and Moondragon will attempt to lure the Stranger into a trap by pretending to go warn Wanda of the danger. Thor and Moondragon are soon flying off in a Quinjet together, giving the bald beauty a chance to wonder why Thor is willing to deal with mere mortals when he's a god. The pair soon land on an island in the Florida Keys, with the Stranger materializing right behind them, declaring his intention to defeat them. Back at the mansion, Iron Man traces a beam of power from the Stranger to somewhere 100 miles high, and the rest of the team hop in a Quinjet to see what's up there. Thor and Moondragon are holding their own against the Stranger and even manage to make him disappear. The Mistress of the Mind soon realizes that's because they weren't fighting the real Stranger, just a replica, meaning the real Stranger will be waiting for the other team of Avengers when they reach his lair. Plus, Pym? Moondragon does not like the mental vibes he gives off. He might be just a tad AZ Cray. Speaking of Pym and his teammates, they found a ship flying around in the Ionosphere, just where Iron Man detected it. 
They quickly board and come face to face with the Stranger himself, setting off a new fight between Avengers and Cosmic Entity. The Stranger soon corners the Beast, who confuses the Stranger with his image inducer, changing his appearance to Edward G. Robinson. It's so startling and unexpected that the Stranger disappears and in his place appears... The Toad. Deducing he was pretending to be the Stranger all along, Beast tries to get him to surrender, but the Toad is tired of being a joke and continues the assault on the Avengers. So confident of victory is he that the Beast ignores the bouncing baddie, causing Pym to have to change size to stop him. Defeated, the Toad explains that after he was left on Archon's world, he constructed a spaceship to fly back to the Stranger's world, where he mastered those machines and used them to bolster his own power. His plan was to find Wanda, beat the Vision, and ask Wanda to marry him instead. Iron Man and the Beast start to ignore the Toad as they prepare the, to fly the ship back to Earth, while Pym has a quiet breakdown in the corner. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Vision and Wanda enjoy their night on the beach, blissfully unaware of what's been happening. The end. A roll call is technically for Iron Man and Yellow Jacket, since uh, Beast and Moon Dragon aren't official members yet. We see uh, the Vision of the Scarlet Witch, and we see what we think is the Stranger but turns out to be the Toad. I know you want to know about the title, Stranger and a Strange Man. Is, is that it, taken from Stranger in a Strange Land? It is. That's a 1961 novel by Robert Heinlein. It is. It's about an Earthling born and raised on Mars who comes to Earth for the first time, which means that, as usual, it means nothing. It has nothing to do to with the it. comic itself. Toad's plan was to fight the Vision and then convince Scarlet Witch to marry him, even though she was already married to the Vision. He has really bad timing. Well, maybe he's going to kill the Vision, and then Wanda will be a widow. How did he know that they were even together if he was on Archon's world? He has super stranger powers. I don't understand that part either. He's using the stranger's machine. He's using the stranger's machine to bolster his powers. His powers are to jump around. Well, it, <laughs> to bolster his powers and give himself new powers. That doesn't make any sense. That would imply that the stranger has no powers himself, and that he needs his machines to have powers. It may imply that, but it's not true. <laughs> Which does further makes no sense. <laughs> and, and I'm glad that you're enjoying this so much, because this is a plot point we will be returning to. <laughs> Great! This is not the only time the Toad will be using the Stranger's machines to make uh, himself more powerful. Seriously? Seriously. What is wrong with the Toad? What is wrong with the Toad? How did the Toad build a spaceship? It's not that hard to build a spaceship. Anybody can build a spaceship. <laughs> I've got three of them in my backyard. This is, as we mentioned uh, with the last issue, this is where we find Thor saying that... Thor saying Moondragon and the Beast aren't members yet... Right. Because there must be tests. Right. That's a new twist to the Avengers Charter that we were not aware of. And not are they written tests? <laughs> and not something that comes back very often. I hope the Beast, well, if they are written, does his with his feet. Wait, go back. The first note that I have is that reporter. Mm -hmm. He says his name is Sam Reuther from CBS. Mm -hmm. That sounds suspiciously like Dan Rather. Oh, because I tried to find a Sam Ruther and I couldn't find him anywhere. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's supposed to be Dan Rather. It looks a little bit like him, too. A good call. Yeah. What what happens in this scene? Which scene? This scene with, with the reporters? The, the, the people that look, some of them look like villagers. They're dressed really oddly. All of a sudden, they just turn racist. Yeah, well, they're, it's a weird... I guess it's trying to let us know what the crowd thinks of... Um, I'm not, I mean, that. well, not really. It's not racist. I don't even know what you'd call it. They're mutantist. I don't know, but one of them is named Bitsy, so I'm ecstatic. Bitsy and Billy, they're a couple. I, I, don't, I don't know why those people are there. It's like two or three panels of an angry mob, and then Yellow Jacket's like, nah, let's go. <laughs> I think it's supposed to let us know that people aren't going to necessarily take to these new Avengers as well as, as we might hope. That guy's a blue gorilla, and that woman has no hair. Wait, I don't like these people. I mean, Star Trek The Motion Picture hasn't come out yet. So what is people... this, communist Russia? Yeah, right? We haven't, and... and, and... Their taxi driver looks like he's in disguise. 
His hair doesn't match his goatee. <laughs> Not at all. His hair is very red. His goatee is black with gray. He looks very suspicious. I don't think George Tusca has a good handle on uh, what the Beast is supposed to look like. He looks better than he did in that reprint issue two issues ago. But he still looks t- a little too feral, I guess. I'm not 100% sure that the Beast, or that George Tusca has a good handle on what anyone's supposed to look like. His Wanda looks pretty good. She doesn't look as cartoony as she had before. I did pick up on one of the Beast culture, pop culture references yeah. um, where he says, You betcha, Red Rider. Red Rider was a Western comic strip that ran from 1938 to 1964. I'm not sure why the Beast would, would call Thor um, Red Rider. Beast spouts off a lot of things that make no sense. Uh, but that explains why he says, You betcha, because Red Rider is, uh, was a Western and Red Rider had a, uh, a and Native American sidekick. Mm. You betcha. Yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Beast. It's a good thing that you, as a victim of prejudice, don't... Don't, uh... <laughs> don't turn around and foist it on others. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I've noticed coming up that Beast... Beast just says a lot... Like, it's just word of... Or, uh, what's that? Uh, stream of consciousness. He just spouts things like he's nervous. Well, I think he is nervous. He mentions about how the Avengers play for higher stakes than the X-Men. He talks a lot. Yeah. Which is funny that he's like, my goodness, the Avengers play for higher stakes with the, than the X-Men fighting this stranger guy. And I'm like, you, <laughs> the, the one you fought. <laughs> the first time he showed yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that in this issue, Hank Pym is particularly angry and demanding? Oh my gosh, he's such a jerk. He's such a jerk in this issue. He always gets all frantic and panicky whenever something happens to Jan. Yes, he does. But he crumples slower than he has in other issues. <laughs> Uh, the first time she got shot, if you remember, he was pretty much a basket case he's, of the Lord He's not crying yet. He hasn't killed any doctors. <laughs> right. So, there's a plus. He hasn't even threatened any. Yeah. Moondragon talks to Thor this issue about how he's a, how he's a god and she doesn't understand why he works with these mortals and why he doesn't, you know, I guess, demand the respect that as a god he deserves. This is a lot of reasoning that we will see from Moondragon again and again and again. And it's actually an interesting one. Because Thor does treat the Avengers like comrades, usually. Usually treats them like equal comrades. He usually does that with most Earthlings, though. He has more of an affinity for Earth than he does for his own homeworld. But it'll be an interesting... This is gonna... It's gonna cause some tension between Thor and the team. Um, And I believe it's what causes him to leave the team. But that's... that's Moon moon Dragon Planner Mind Games. A year or so in the future. It's a long con. I do notice that since Honkai is gone, Beast is going to take over his... He's not just taking over the pop culture references. He's also taking over the... I'm worried about my place on the team, and am I? Am I? Can I? Can I fit in? <laughs> I mentioned before we started recording that I got so bored with this issue that I I just started looking at the pictures instead of reading the captions. I'm sorry. So, so I missed the point where you said in your write up that Beast changes into his disguise using an image inducer. I thought that he ran around that corner and actually put the disguise on, and I was like, my god, how did he do that in two seconds? He is an amazingly quick. <laughs> and I thought, that is the lamest and laziest deus ex machina that this title has ever pulled off. Although, even knowing it's an image inducer, it's still pretty pretty lame. It is lame. And I don't like the image inducer. Quite. That he just scared Toad into revealing who he actually is. Um, the Stranger, and this makes so much more sense when you recognize that it's Toad, while he's fighting Thor, Moondragon says, This Moondragon must scamper like a moon mouse. Really? Moon mouse? That's a good one. Uh-huh. That's like when, you know, you're talking about a space movie, and you're like, he went to space jail. <laughs> then he, he couldn't get out because he didn't have the space bucks to pay for his space bail. You're a, you're a stupid, stupid head. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, moon mouse. Beast does call, I did get some of the Beast's um, references. References. Oh my, stars and garters. I know that reference. Um, he says, he calls uh, the stranger Cesar Romero. 
He looks, looks kind of like him. I guess because of the mustache. Yeah. Cesar Romero being a famous uh, the actor. With the mustache. Probably best known to comic fans as playing the Joker on the 1960s Batman television show. He also calls the stranger Slewfoot, which I did not know what that meant. Slewfoot means clumsy. Did we mention that, that Hank McCoy is uh, super intelligent? Hank probably has a really good vocabulary. He does have a good vocabulary. So, I actually prefer this toad over the flunky toad that we had for so long. Yeah. It gives um, him a little more personality. He has a personality. He's trying to stand up for himself. You almost want to see him succeed because you feel bad for him. Um, but this is the first. This is the first issue where we find out just how obsessed he is with the Scarlet Witch. Yeah, um, I didn't know any of that because I didn't read it. <laughs> his his love for the Scarlet Witch will come back again and again and again over the years. But he, you know, this is where we find out he's always been infatuated with her. Ever since the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Does Toad ever have a costume that doesn't make him look like a court jester? I think in the 90s when they tried to make him a... Uh, they tried to make him an arch villain in the 90s. And I think... his costume? I think so. I is, think. He, is he a good guy now? He's... he's was a, Well, he wasn't really a good guy briefly. But in Spider-Man, he kind of took a walk on the good side. But I don't think it lasted for Did very long. Did they make him a good guy in that X-Men uh, Evolution cartoon? Do you remember that one? I don't think he was good. So much is not evil. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, weird aside there. <laughs> And I also noticed that the Toad, when he's giving his origin, says, I asked to be left on Archon's world when, when the event... And I'm like, sure he did, buddy. not. Sure. You can tell yourself whatever makes you feel better. <laughs> I, it is impressive that Toad can build a, a, a ship that not just travels through space, but apparently also hops through dimensions, since that's what he uses to get from Archon's world back to our world, which is another, another dimension. So maybe he is. Maybe he just drove the spaceship down through that well of time or whatever that they dropped uh, the Black Knight sword down in. There you go. <laughs> Um, that's it. I got nothing else for this issue. All right. Bullpen bulletins. Uh, what do you think of Stan's soapbox? I, I didn't think much of it at all. Did you? You didn't read it, did you? I did. What's he talking about? Oh, Origin of Marvel Comics. Oh, my God, Stan. Give it a rest. <laughs> the only bullpen bulletin I have is uh, the note that said John Buscema actually launched his own art school. Yeah, he did. That's kind of cool. It was the John Buscema Art School. Wow. <laughs> I don't know where he came up with the name. Um, it, it advertised for students. Uh, there should be ads in some of the Marvel comics coming up for this school. Um, Stan Lee was there once as a guest lecturer, um, and some of the school's graduates went on to become professional cartoonists. That's where Bob Hall came from. He'll draw some West Coast Avengers. Should I assume it was never as successful as the Kubert School? No, he he really liked it. John John Buscema said uh, teaching class was very gratifying, but it was a sixty mile drive <laughs> to the school. I'm like, why don't you put it closer to your house, dude? Um, and he said it was just too exhausting, so he he closed it on his own. Uh, that was your only note. Yeah, that's all I had. Um, I would note that the uh, upcoming Wizard of Oz comic is from a old uh, Team Supreme here on the Avengers, Roy Thomas and John Buscema. And I don't like the Wizard of Oz. I don't. I don't really either. I've never been a fan. And that the Shazam Award nominees have been announced. John Buscema was nominated for Best Penciler, uh, Dramatic Division. Tom Palmer, our old friend, was nominated for Best Inker, Dramatic Division. And Roy Thomas for Best Writer, Overdramatic division <laughs> and superior achievement by an individual in putting too many words in a book and the letters page. The only note I wrote down was that there are four letters that gush positively about issue one thirty three, and I could care less. Yeah, they're obviously all wrong. It's <laughs> really that's just Marvel padding the uh, so no one thinks that one thirty three was awful. Look, everybody loved it. I swear. That's it. That's all I got. I ain't got no more. Not all you got. Who's your MVP? Oh, <laughs> so I can do this part by myself. If you want. Uh, my MVP. <laughs> you um, have to somewhere you have to be. You know, it's <laughs> it's difficult because I feel like everybody contributed in this issue. Like, for the first time in a long time, I didn't feel like there was a standout. I picked Iron Man. No. 
Because I thought he did a lot of the work this issue. Nope, it's Beast again. I'm okay with that. I thought Beast was fine. Uh, your useless character? Oh, God, come on. It's Yellow Jacket. Yeah, for sure. Clearly. Um, Avengers level threat. No. No. He may wish he was an Avengers level threat, but he is not. Which means I want you to take back the fact that you thought last issue was a threat. Well, last <laughs> issue he was a stranger. <laughs> He's still not a threat. Final grade? I gave it a D. I did not like this issue D. at all. I didn't D. like it. A D. A D. I give it As a... As in dumb... I give it a B minus. My biggest problem with it is the way they write Hank Pym. He's B written horribly. B minus as in bad minus. Yes. <laughs> and I um, also the art this issue is not great. Oof. All right, that's it. Yeah, that's finally it. That's two issues. Man, I feel like we did three issues. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not have that happen again. Yeah. Next week. You good? So, Everything's good? I'm having problems. My allergies are killing me today. All right, hey, if you want to keep in touch with us and all of our sparkling insight and all the awesome things that we do, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Avenging Hour. We have a Facebook page that you can find by, you know, searching on Facebook like people do. Everybody knows how to find things on Facebook. I would hope so. And we have a website. Come on, everybody does. Avenginghour.com. Our mail, email address is mail at Avenginghour.com. What's our mail address? Uh, Avengers Mansion 1070 <laughs> P.O. Box. Don't send us anything. Avengers Mansion Lane, <laughs> New York City. New York City. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Yep. Goodbye.